Before we get into today's conversation, I would like you to know that this episode is brought to you by Philip Walter Consolidate, a creative and customer experience agency, and they are open for business. They provide sure up services for individuals and businesses who want to create lasting impressions, build strong brand awareness, and innovate on ideas. Now, their services range from digital marketing, media production, business design, management, and promotions. They are a 360-degree creative agency, and you can get in touch with them via email info.philipwalterco at gmail.com or visit their social media handles at philipwalterco which is on instagram facebook twitter and linkedin now here's the beautiful catch you can use the referral thoughtful randomness to get a 15 percent discount on all their services now this means that when you do reach out to them and you want to make use of their services all you need to do is let them know hey guys i heard about you on thoughtful randomness and you get an instant 15% discount on their service. Now that is a good deal. friend i am bj with the show man welcome to my podcast thoughtful randomness it's going to be another exciting episode of storytelling and conscious learning uh, in this episode i talk about anxiety my dance with anxiety my literal dance with anxiety and the general perception about mental health in my community and how i have been able to cope and live beyond my fears which means taking control and not letting my fears control me and this is something that i i, I totally pray for everyone to you know be in a mind space of of, you know, not letting your fears control you, taking control of a situation, your emotions and all that. The conversation is all about mental health and it, it has a lot of insights. You know, you must have shared, you must have read articles like I have read articles. I have read health journals. I have seen television shows and radio shows that are dedicated to the awareness of mental health. So I have listened to even podcasts as well that are themed around mental health. And so it's safe to say that the talking has led to a bit of awareness and it creates avenues for conversations that reduce the stigma which is most prevalent in my geospace. I live in Nigeria, by the way, for those who don't know, uh, where conversations here uh, around mental health draw a lot of frowns. You know, to put this into more perspective, a few months ago, a couple of months ago, I, I read a Twitter thread that narrated the sad story of a young woman from the moment that she became depressed, the events that happened afterwards to her taking her own life. This story was shared by a friend of hers who is also her colleague. The colleague also mentioned points of decline in that tweet and she said that it was when the parents took her to a religious worship center for exorcism and wouldn't agree that their daughter was suffering from a deep form of depression. Now they blamed the unexplainable decisions she was making like quitting her job, you know, cutting her a friend, locking herself indoors for over a week to the demons that she needed to pray out but wouldn't listen to her or even acknowledge that she needed to speak to someone or seek professional help and not casting out demons. Now, that is a type of environment that I grew up in where the mention of any form of mental health issue becomes like a taboo. Now, I thought about this story for a while. It was a sad story, really. And I kept asking myself a series of questions like, would the situation be different if those around her created like a support system where she felt safe and not judged, you know? Because we hear daily protect your mental health. You see this as a request or a slogan or sort of like a mantra. You find this on social media when you have conversations about mental health or when conversations about mental health seems to be the highlight. 
you know. And the demand or the request that, you know, says protect your mental health comes from individuals who maybe think that they have a grasp of uh, the mental health discourse. Or maybe they do, that I don't know. But one thing is certain about that request, and that is the logical aspect of it. Yes, you need to protect your mental health. Yes, you need to take your mental health seriously. Yes, we need to pay attention to people around us that go through situations that evolve around mental health issues. So maybe the next question will be, how do I protect my mental health? And here's the thing, before I move any further, I need, I need to say this. This is a quick disclaimer that this episode of the podcast, you know, is not like uh, me having a run-through monologue on some type of how-to tips, you know. Uh, I'm not a psychologist, so I cannot give you a professional how-to, but I have been coping for a while with an, an anxiety disorder, and I'm in a safe space to talk about it right now, and uh, because it's time to talk about it, so I'm basically going to share with you uh, the things that I have been dealing with, and how I have been able to cope, and how I have you know, become this way, uh, I have put myself in this mind space. I made a list of things that trigger worry and strong sense of fear in my daily routine, because my therapist told me to do that. So before this time, it was all me holding back the emotional rush. For most people, of which I was part of that circle, talking to someone or getting to the point of acceptance that you are dealing with a form of mental health issue is like a sign of weakness, a sign that you have lost all control and admitting that you need help will further destroy what little control of your mind that you do have left. I am not in that shape of thought anymore. And I don't think I am weak because I admitted to needing help or because I acknowledge that I am struggling. So it took me a while, actually, to get to this point. It took me a series of, series of you know, events happened that, that got me to this point. And I got to this point in my life where it became necessary to get this done, to talk to someone, to create a safe space where I could be vulnerable, to share my thoughts, fears, and life without being judged. Looking back at all that now, there were basically three reasons why I had to get this done. Now, the first was the consistent insistence from my girlfriend. She wouldn't stop telling me talking to someone would help, you know, to deal with this raging feelings. She even recommended a couple of therapists she found online. I mean, she did a quick search and found a couple of therapies that, you know, specialize in this and specialize in that. And she recommended them, sent me the links and like, and that was the first reason why I had to take this serious. And the second was, you know, my work. I always had spells of creative block because as, as a creative strategist, as a uh, digital PR specialist, there's so many things that I need to do for brands and businesses. And sometimes while working on this content on strategies for businesses, I, I get this block. I get spells of creative blocks. It was regular, you know, and it kept getting worse over, over again. And the third reason was the panic attack. First ever panic attack I ever had. I experienced a panic attack on October 20th, 2020 at about 8 p.m. I can't forget that date. And that is something that triggered me to the point where I said to myself, you know what, this is it. I need to seek help, you know. And looking back, the day of the panic episode was like every, every normal day. I have been at this time working, you know, from home and uh, you know, it was a deal of the period, um, remote work and all that, you know, for me, I, I, that was a normal for me. And for the longest time before the lockdown, even I was doing most of my freelancing work. I do everything from home, from my home studio and which is where I'm recording this episode from now. You know, that particular day was really like every normal day. It was like the period of the NSARS protests. Um, it was getting on new circles in the continent and also on the global front as well. You know, I had been following the details, you know, took part in a few matches as well. 
But that day, I was home. I had like a 24-hour deadline to meet, so I was really, really invested in my work. So I did not pay attention to the news at the time because I was head deep in work. At about 8 p.m., I was having dinner at the time, and my girlfriend ran into my home studio. You know, she was screaming that I should check a post on Twitter, which she tagged me on on Twitter. And she was, you know talking about a friend of hers that um, went out and she needed to talk to the friend. I didn't know what was going on, but she was just rambling and saying a whole lot of things. So she was making me confused and she was hysterical. So I immediately opened my notifications tab to check the tag that she tagged me on Twitter. And I saw this headline, shooting at Lekki Tollgate and SARS protesters by the Nigerian military. And that was the headline. And at that moment, I froze. I started breathing heavily, you know. I was trying to catch my breath. My chest did hurt. It felt like death. I mean, it was, I was choking on the food because I was eating. I was choking on the food and I was trying to breathe at the same time. And I was clutching my chest. I was, it was an experience that I've never had before. And my girlfriend at this point lost it because she couldn't tell what was happening to me. You know, she knelt down holding my hands and she was crying. I, I couldn't speak. I couldn't even hear what she was saying. All I could do was hit my chest. I kept hitting my chest and I thought it was a heart attack. I thought about several things. You know, one thing felt the same. One thing I could feel like an emotion was fear. I could feel fear. I could taste fear. But when I finally got calm, I mumbled a few words and then I cried. And I couldn't wrap my head around that experience because it took me weeks before I could understand that this was actually a panic attack. For me, it was a heart attack. I was about to die and something happened and I didn't die any longer. But I finally discovered that it was a panic attack and I've never had that before. Because several months down the line after the episode, I had experiences that kept growing into uncontrollable episodes of that. You know? So my question at this time in my life was, why was I afraid? Why was I reacting the way I did react to the news? I needed to have like an understanding about all this. I needed answers. I needed to know what was going on with me because I was never this way and I was never afraid. never had panic attacks. I never felt the taste of fear or like felt the sense of impending doom everywhere closing in on you. So what was happening to me? You know, that was a question. But my therapist, after conversations about this, she once suggested that my reaction to these triggering events were out of what might happen to people who are still under my care if anything happens to me. I was projecting, and that's the way she put it. And looking back at those times, I always thought about my kids, you know. I haven't seen them in years, and all I could think about was, was them. Every time I had a traumatic experience, you know, so for me, it was probably save me, save them to give them a fighting chance. So every time that something triggered that traumatic experience, I had a panic attack. So I felt weak, you know, after the first panic attack, I felt weak. I felt emasculated. My girlfriend saw all that. For her, it was like um, the first time she's ever seen me cry. So she didn't understand my state of vulnerability and she hasn't seen me that way. And she didn't know how to interpret that. So for weeks, we had talks about that. We've talked about it several times after that. Dealing with my insecurities became like a major part of our conversations on that. And we are healing, by the way. My healing process is actually her healing process. And that is something that I'm invested in. Now, the sessions that I had with my therapist helped me find answers to all this, getting me to that point in my life where I, I know that I have these issues and I know that I am wrong for reacting the way that I did, but also getting me to understand the importance of mental health discourse. You know, something that 
is not part of my cultural conscious collective as a Nigerian. It's not part of it. So getting that conversation with my therapist, letting me know that I'm not wrong for reacting or having series of panic attacks or having series of traumatic experiences help me. So right now, I am all about protecting my mental health as much as I can and being intentional about it. And I think that is a point where we all need to be. Because for me, implementing self-care strategies is what is helping me cope. Yeah. And this self-care strategies include things like expressing my feelings more than I used to. You know, that's suppressing that aspect of our lives is like an accepted culture for most people. If I have learned one thing through my journey with coping, it's that invalidating your feelings causes more harm than good. And this is because repressed emotions don't just disappear. They build up quietly and in the background, they stay there. I mean, soon enough, they start shouting at us until we're forced to take notice of them. So it's clearly better to express your feelings because at the end of the day, you own your feelings instead of them owning you. You know, another self-care strategy that is working for me is setting boundaries, which I consider as the ultimate self-care, by the way. I'm going about this with the intent of creating a safe line of protection in my daily routines, like saying no to things that can't help me achieve my core goals or that have elements of events that can trigger me. So saying no to these things is helping me. Setting boundaries also really takes away some of the stress of decision-making for me. Instead of getting caught up in making micro decisions throughout the day, it has actually helped me, you know, make broad decisions about what I do. Now, another self-care strategy that I am invested in at this time is taking care of my physical health. This has, this has been top of my self-care journey, which was one thing I couldn't find time for in the past. And having to compromise on that has really helped me cope. And this is something that I feel that um, most people who go through traumatic experiences, you know, should be aware of because your physical and your mind are similar. They are the same. And the more you take care of your physical self, the more you take care of your mind because your mind functions with your body and your, your healthy body is a healthy mind. So that is how I see it. But I also am now recognizing my spiritual needs too. I currently spend like, let's say 45 minutes a day meditating at different times. Uh, I split them. So it's 45 minutes a day. And it's something that is a routine for me that I, I take seriously. And being in you know, one space with God, the universe, my feelings, and acknowledging those aspects of my life that I need tendering. Because I'm on the journey. That's how I see it. I'm on the journey. And the dance with anxiety is not something that is holding me back. And I shouldn't let it hold me back. But now that I've understood it and I am in a safe space to say it, I am owning it. And that is one thing I, I feel that we all need to learn. I'm currently building back relationships I alienated and majorly achieving balance with my life and all areas of my life, in fact. So that is where I'm at at this time. Healing is where I am at on this dance with anxiety. And I think that I'm growing, I am taking responsibility daily, and I am achieving what I need to achieve. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Remember to subscribe and let me know what you think about the episode. I will love your feedback. You can join me on social media. The links to my social media pages are in the description. You should check it out. And please rate the podcast. You can rate the podcast. You can share with your friends. You can, you know, tell your friends, hey, listen to Thoughtful Randomness with BJB The Show, man. And here's something that I'm passionate about. I'd like you to donate to the podcast. Whatever amount you desire to donate. We are building a system 
where we won't need to run ads on the podcast and your donations will go a long way to helping us achieve that so find the donation link in the description as well and thanks for being part of this journey my journey to conscious learning it's your journey to conscious learning as well 